Hey, it's Nikki Llewellyn Gregory, and you're on Gut Plus Science, a mentoring platform for people-first leaders of all levels. Here, we talk to exceptional leaders who prioritize culture, get fired up about employee engagement, and are excited to share ideas and tools for bettering employee experience to help others. Thank you for joining us to invest in being a better leader. Now, let's get to it. I am excited to have a friend and content expert join Gut Plus Science to inspire, educate, and walk alongside us to navigate important diversity, equity, and inclusion topics that will help us move people forward. And it's Brian McComick. Brian is passionate about creating human-centered workplace cultures and has over 25 years of experience to share with us. Brian, you go. Hello and welcome back. This is Brian McComick, your DEI commentator on the Gut Plus Science podcast channel. And as always, I'm delighted to be with you again this month. In the spirit of just the reality of our humanity and how over the course of time, our perspectives change and evolve, I thought this month we might talk about the quiet quitting conversation. I, I've been pondering, am I going to weigh in on this conversation or not? And the reality is I have a point of view, so I thought I would share it with all of you and and hopefully it uh, provides some insights or perspectives. You know, at, at the beginning of the pandemic, many of us or all of us will, will remember that time and the uh, the many challenges we faced. And certainly one of those big challenges was that millions of people lost their jobs. And I think that the reality of that experience combined with the the uncertainty that's transpired in organizations over the last 20 to 30 years with economic ups and downs and layoffs and reductions in force and streamlining and tech booms and then the stabilization of the tech space and and so on many of us have realized that the the stable careers at one company that our parents or grandparents and the baby boomer generation or the greatest generation before them experienced, that's just not how it works today. And that's okay. You know, that's the, the world evolves, the world changes. And certainly I hope that we can find ways to, to create workplaces that are welcoming and inclusive and engaging where people want to stay. And, and I think that those environments are also environments where if you have those wonderful humans in the mix and they can bring all of their ideas to the conversation and their thoughtful decisions being made, then those companies can then succeed. And then that creates the opportunity for stability. So that's one of the passions that I believe in is spreading that message and encouraging companies to create those environments. Unfortunately, what we're seeing is that more and more people, uh, particularly those who are privileged enough to do so, because I certainly realize that this is not a privilege that everyone has, but many people are leaving their jobs voluntarily. In 2021, according to the U.S. Department of Labor, 47 million people joined the Great Resignation, and new employers are up against this new trend of quiet quitting. In fact, a recent Gallup survey showed that at least half, half, I just want to make sure we say that again, of the American workforce are doing their bare minimum when it comes to their responsibilities at work. So what's causing this trend? What can we do about it? How do, you know, if you're a decision maker, um, a, a leader, if you're particularly in the in an HR role or a, that's responsible for organizational culture or diversity, equity, and inclusion, how do we create environments that helps employees 
feel happy, feel engaged, feel included, and feel empowered to perform their best. What we know, and certainly there are studies that prove this, is that when employees are highly engaged, they are more likely to expend discretionary effort. That's the effort that they choose to spend where they go above and beyond those foundational or basic job responsibilities. And of course, one of the reasons we know is that, or maybe we're learning that the workplaces of before, and I'm going to say before in defining the pandemic, I think we knew some of this before that toxic workplace culture where employees feel devalued or disconnected, or they're not in alignment with their own values, or they're underpaid, they're not rewarded, they don't feel like they're treated with equity in their organizations. Those cultures result in disengagement. And we know that certainly managers, the specific manager that someone works for, is a key component to that, the experience of the employees they manage. That wasn't new information, but I think what's happened in, you know, from the time before to today is that employees during the pandemic really spent time reflecting on their lives and what was important to them and what, you know, what was in it to, to dedicate their careers or to go above and beyond for the companies they worked for. And that the great resignation or the great awakening, I think is, you know, how some people have called it, had employees attempting to rethink what they expect of companies, what they expect of the cultures of those companies. And what I believe is that during that great resignation and as employers were seeing their employees resign in significant numbers, companies started to think about what do we need to do differently? Now, part of that, I I hope, was driven by the fact that leaders, decision makers, CEOs were also impacted by the pandemic and also had some of those reflections. And as I like to say, started to realize that they were managing humans and not robots. Now, I want to be clear. I don't think any human in a leadership role thought they were managing robots. I think so much of what we were taught as managers and leaders for so many years was more influenced by how do we treat humans um, in a way that is more aligned with how you might manage robots. And I think what humans today, employees today expect is they really do expect to be treated by humans. Certainly we know from any number of studies that Generation Z is a group of people that are going to hold companies to higher standards when it comes to culture and when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, They want, in general, they want employers to, to share their values and to stand by their values. We talk about Gen Z in this regard because we have the data and the research. I would argue that that actually is true for Generation Y and Generation X, which I belong to. I think Generation Z in many ways is the generation that said, we're no longer going to be silent. We're going to say what we need and we're going to expect it. And we're going to challenge the companies that we work for and the leaders we work for to make sure that that we have in places to work that we believe in, that we feel a connection to purpose, where we have leaders who show up with authenticity and vulnerability, where we have companies that commit to our well-being and are transparent with how they communicate with us and are committed to addressing the issues of systemic oppression to make sure that everyone, regardless of their background and identity, has the opportunity to thrive and succeed. So if you're listening, and hopefully you are, and you're thinking, okay, Brian, I agree with all everything you've said. What do I do? 
Because I can understand that as a leader, as a manager, this can feel significant as a challenge to manage. And, and I do think that there are some things you can do, and I'm going to offer a few examples here at different levels. So first of all, as a manager, if you work and you have the responsibility for engaging with employees that directly report to you, have real conversation with your employees, get to know them as humans, share a little bit about yourself, ask them to share a little bit about themselves, you know, whether it's what they did on the weekend or learn about their family or what's their favorite hobby, just get to know them so you can engage with them as real people and pay attention to what they share and start to pay attention to the world around you to see if there are things that are happening in the world that might impact them. The traditional example that comes to mind for me here is when I think about the, the old boys club is the connection to golf and the connection to sports and those conversations that come into the workplace. And there's nothing really wrong with those conversations coming into work, the workplace and having shared hobbies and experiences. The problem with it though, is that it can leave others out. So expand the dialogue to include other aspects of your employees, humanity and their lived experiences. If you are in an HR function or um, a CEO or a DEI person, make sure that you are, are doing an annual employee. We call ours an annual employee experience survey. And our employee experience survey is informed by DEI methodologies. So we can we collect a cl data from across a variety of attributes of the experience of employees. And then we can we also collect up to or sometimes over 18 demographic variables. So that way we can dissect the data and understand how different subgroups of an employee population with different experiences, like women of color or people with disabilities or women at an organization, how they're experiencing that culture. And then we can look at, okay, if it's, if women, for example, are generally rating their experience lower than men, we can then start to look at where does that come up in an organization? Is it a specific region or location? And that information helps us to diagnose what's happening. Maybe we have focus groups to, to get some more information, and then we can build a, a plan of action to engage the right people in a solution that will hopefully evolve and expand or enhance, evolve and enhance their the experience of those employees. Um, so that's something I would say from an organizational perspective you can do. And I think the third thing I'll just offer, which is also organizational, but something that I think is so important, you know, sometimes we work with companies to help them define their mission, vision, and values. And I'm, I'm a big believer in that work, whether you call it mission, vision, values, or use some other language, the understanding why we're here, what we want to accomplish, and how we, how we show up in our workplace is really important. The step that I often find is missing is that we don't define the behaviors that represent or are indicative of, of those core values that we communicate. So I think it's really important to spend that time and energy to define those behaviors, to communicate those behaviors, to reinforce those behaviors. And sometimes it's also the things that are not the behaviors that are not aligned with our core values. I'm not a big fan of the phrase non-negotiables, but the concept of course is easy to understand of you know, if you do this, it is, it is in conflict with our values of how we believe at this, of the, at this organization and how we want to show up. And that clarity can be really helpful. And I think actually that reminds me, I, I will say one more thing, which is something that I've been reflecting on and talking about with the team at Hummingbird and we're working on is certainly we are big believers 
and allowing employees to bring their humanity to the workplace and acknowledging that we are humans, that we have emotions, that we're impacted by what happens outside of the workplace. We also are working on, though, how do we make sure that our employees are clear on their expectations, that there is both there's accountability, both self-accountability, self-responsibility for meeting those expectations as a as they have a responsibility to to their role and how we deliver what we do at Hummingbird. And when they play their part, then other people can focus on their role and not worry about, you know, are there things that they need to fill in the, the gaps for? And then of course, just having the the rigor around that clarity, that accountability, the clarity of expectations, I should say, the accountability, and that that individual commitment, that helps our machine, our um, environment, our culture, our work to, as I will say, to add a little pun here, to be humming along. And I think that is something that is so, so important to think about is how do you find that balance of clarity of expectations, accountability, self-responsibility with the intersection of embracing humanity and all that comes with humanity. So I hope that this is a thoughtful, helpful conversation. Certainly, if this conversation about evolving your workplace culture is something you'd help with, definitely reach out to the Hummingbird Humanity team. You can find us on hum, at hummingbirdhumanity.com and, and reach out to us there. And also, if you're looking for a, you know resources and tools that might be helpful, always visit the hummingbirdhumanity.com website and click on the resources tab or follow our social media channels on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram, where we share resources and tools and information Thanks again for joining me this month. I'm always grateful for your time and attention and energy and that you choose to spend a bit of your month with me. Um, and until next time, stay safe and be well. We just left the world a little bit better. Now, go do something with it.